Welcome to the Voice of Salvation programming, whose main source is to be an inspiration to you through the message of hope and peace. And this is only achieved when you remain in tune. Stay with us and you will be blessed. The Bible says in Luke 14, 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. When Jesus left the house of the Pharisee, where he had been entertained, he was followed by great multitudes. Generally, they were inclined to believe that he was the Messiah spoken of by the prophets, but they woefully misunderstood his mission, the nature of his kingdom, and the terms of discipleship. As Luke records the incident in verses 25 through 35, it is as if Jesus suddenly stopped and turned to the multitude and pointed out to them step by step what it meant to be a disciple. A disciple must bear the cross after him. He must count the cost of being a disciple of Christ. He must renounce everything he has for Christ's sake and he must maintain that spirit of self-sacrifice throughout his life and not let the salt of his Christ-like character lose its sharpness and tastefulness of what it means to follow Christ. Now to forsake all for Christ does not necessarily mean to walk away from everything or to give all possessions away. Rather, it means to be no longer dependent on these things, to no longer live with them at the center of our lives. To follow Christ in the truest sense is to forsake things. The disciple cannot be a disciple until he renounces things which would stand between him and Christ. He must put his whole trust in the Lord and not in possessions. The true disciple of Jesus Christ. The message for today could begin with a discussion on the meaning of the word disciple, which comes from the Greek word manthano. Now, for us, a disciple is one, then, who follows another's teaching. He's not only a pupil, but a follower. Hence, disciples are imitators of their teacher. It is enough 
for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord, according to the Gospel of Matthew 10.25. Furthermore, a true disciple is not one who merely uses religious phrases, but one who does the will of God. He is an obedient servant, not because of a sense of duty only, but because he loves his master. Now, the passage in Matthew 10, 24 through 28 is specifically addressed to followers of the Lord who will be persecuted. Now, the true disciple will suffer persecution, but he will continue faithfully following Jesus. Matthew 7, 21 through 27 stresses the point mentioned, namely that the true disciple is more than words. It is a total commitment and obedience. Now, the early Christians did suffer terrible punishments because of their loyalty to Christ. Today, the world is generally kinder to Christians, but it is no closer to them in spirit. There is still a great gulf dividing disciples of Christ and those who walk in darkness. It is our task to follow Christ and at the same time to let our lives touch those in sin so that we might somehow lead them to him. Now, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 24 through 28, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 12 tells us of Christ sending the apostles, giving their names and their field of service, and stating the power they would be able to exercise as they went forth to preach the gospel. Lost sheep of the house of Israel were to hear that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, were to have their sick healed and their lepers clean and their dead raised. And the apostles were further directed to go without money or extra clothing, instructed to live off the gospel, since the workman is worthy of his meat. Now Jesus also forewarned them of dangers to be encountered. Sent as sheep into the midst of wolves, they were to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And they would be hated of all men for his name's sake. They would be scourged in synagogues and tried by governors and kings, but in such situations they would be prompted by the Spirit as to what they would say. The Savior wanted them to be prepared and not surprised by such treatment, pointing out that the disciple is not above his teacher, the servant above his Lord. Now in verse 26, he told them not to fear man. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Christ had been called Beelzebub, the god of flies, or chief of devils, 
and he would stand before the Sanhedrin, before Herod and Pilate, and he would be scourged and would be spit upon and finally crucified. Now, while the natural man in Christ must have shrunk from such treatment, now such torture, there is never any indication that Jesus feared the men so used by Satan in this persecution. No, he would now encourage the apostles not to fear what man could do. Everything covered or not understood by them would in time be revealed. And the whole message of salvation they were to preach, though presently covered to the understanding of most men, would eventually be preached in all the world. Matthew continues to tell us that Christ told them that they must preach the message. In verse 27, the Bible says, What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Now Jesus spent much of his time teaching these foundation men of the church details of the gospel message. And those who would regard the apostles as unlettered or ignorant should recall that they had as a private tutor the greatest instructor in earth's history. Three such glorious years of training could not hope to be matched by the most prestigious Bible college of our day or seminary. And while they may not have been schooled in religion prior to meeting the Savior, they could not help but be experts by the time he returned to the Father and left them in charge of his church. Nor was their training to be hoarded, used for themselves alone, and regarded as personal property. No, they were to tell what they had learned wherever they went, preaching in the most public places what they had heard in private from the Master, and the same continuous to be the will of God regarding the work of believers today. It continues that they learn all that they are able to grasp from diligently studying God's word from daily consecration and drawing close to him. Then they are to share with those they meet what they have received from the Lord. In all of this, Jesus tells them not to fear. In verse 28, he says, fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Men could fear God more if they feared other men less. This was the alibi used by King Saul for disobeying the Lord, that he feared the people. And such is the picture today. When believers fail to witness for Christ, when they do not defend the gospel and when they are inclined to go along with the crowd. It is true that the threat of physical violence would probably make one think about his commitment to the things of God. But this was part of the problem in one of Peter's three denials of Christ. Yet for most of today's Christians, there's usually no greater violence to face than that which can be done by the tongue of unbelievers that which expresses ridicule and scorn. But in all of this, we also find something very important in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 21 through 27. The Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And in verse 22, he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name hath cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, as we study about true disciples, we'll also learn that not all are true disciples. We just read verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7, which states, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. From the opening verse of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, it is clear that the Sermon on the, on the Mount was preached in its entirety to that handful of disciples who were to follow Christ throughout the three years of his public ministry. Yes, and he had called them lights of the world and the salt of the earth, and dealt with many subjects, contrasting the letter with the spirit of the law, equating lust with adultery and hate with murder. Then he had warned against copying the conduct of the Pharisees, whom he called hypocrites, giving prayer and fasting to be seen of men. And Christ advised disciples to give secretly, to fast without a long face, and to pray in private, expecting divine reward in an open manner. Nor were they to pray as the heathen who repeated themselves over and over. It is not the one who cries, Lord, Lord, who shall be accepted, but the one who is obedient to God. Now, many are not known of him. In verses 22 and 23, the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 7, as we just read, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Notice that Christ has said in that day, relating with false disciples, will say, when these false disciples will look and say in their appeal for the acceptance with God, indicating that this will be done at the time of judgment. Had it been done sooner, there might have been time to repent of hypocrisy and a form of godliness and do whatever was required for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And many things are done in the name of religion, even by people who make no pretense to godliness. And also, many who profess do not possess, even though they claim to be, using divine power in their activities. And others will be rejected at the judgment with the words that Jesus never knew them, indicating that from the very beginning they have been 
pretenders. Then there will be some who have backslidden after years of faithful service and who, rather than repent, will continue to go through the motions of religion. And finally, it is eternally tragic that some operate under a spirit of delusion in which they themselves are deceived, not really knowing or being known by the Lord. But then the Bible says in verses 24 and 25, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings, listen to what the Bible says, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. There is no substitute for obedience to God's word. Church membership or attendance or tithe pain or charity or any other religious effort must be accompanied by the individual's complete conformity to the Bible before it can lead to eternal life. To hear and to do it is a wise act. Now this is to build upon a firm foundation, one which Christ as chief cornerstone. And such builders will be able to stand the storms of persecution and temptation and will be safe in the day of judgment. Now, the Bible continues to tell us in verses 26 and 27, And everyone that heareth these sayings and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Children over the years have sung about the wise men, the foolish man, and their house building. And those who have acted upon the message of their song have learned that God has ordained wisdom from the mouths of babes. Now, it is a tragedy when a house is destroyed for any reason. Usually the owner suffers loss. Yet material loss is as nothing in comparison to the loss of a soul. This is what Jesus emphasized in the closing words of his Sermon on the Mount. And it is important that all of his followers examine themselves to see whether they be in the faith, walking in the light, hearers and doers of his word. And also, it should be pointed out that obedience may permit one person to return to his home, perhaps as a lay member, and tell friends what great things the Lord has done. However, obedience may send another into all the world to help preach this gospel to every creature. My friend, the false disciple seems to take life in stride until the time of testing comes. There is no doubt that according to outward appearance, the house built upon the sand was just as beautiful as the one built upon the rock. Its beauty was unmarred until the time of the storm. Then the house fell and the calamity was great. The house built upon the rock of truth in the inward parts did not fall when the storm hit. Those who are false in the heart are headed towards the storm which will ultimately destroy both soul and body. The mask of hypocrisy will be torn loose, and the individual cannot escape the raft of God. The disciple most fully equipped to help others is the one who keeps himself under close observation. God bless you.